Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Roto World Football Podcast presented by Locker Room App, the only place for live audio conversations about the sports you care about. I am Matt Straub, joined by John Daigle, Pat Doherty, and Hayden Winks. Guys, call me delusional, call me hopelessly optimistic, call me a dreamer, but I'm starting to think that the NFL is going to pull this thing off. People said <laughs> they wouldn't make it to the finish line. I'm going to go on a limb and say we are going to make it. This is usually when 2020 slash 2021 says hold my beer. Uh, but yeah, I think we're going to make it. Um, the, the only thing that can bring us down is the Kansas city barber who tested positive <laughs> and then cut the hair of Demarcus Robinson and another player. So all eyes are on the barbers for both teams. If, if we can clear that, if everyone could wait and get their haircuts, I haven't got a haircut. You can see it coming through in the back since like October, uh, then we'll make it to the Super Bowl. Well, be careful because that's how Kilgore and Demarcus Robinson ended up on the COVID yep, list exactly. with the team barber. I actually hesitated to even make that joke at the top for fear of actually jinxing it. Like you guys said, <laughs> it, it's it's actually maybe too soon to say it, that we're going to make it. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But... The time is finally here to preview Super Bowl 55, a.k.a. LaShawn McCoy's last dance. The Chiefs are favored by three, a total of 56 in this game. We're going to go through this position group by position group, really. Let's start with the Kansas City passing attack. Patrick Mahomes, last time he faced the Bucks, week 12, threw for 462 yards with three touchdowns, no picks. How does this matchup look for Mahomes and the Chiefs passing attack a couple months later, Hayden? Well, there's a couple things going on. First of all, when you just look at the Bucks defense in general, they're front their front seven is really good and they can get after with four and they have the best run defense in the league and if you look at some studies basically what happens is if you have a good run defense teams then decide we're not going to run the ball at all and what, what happened in this week 12 matchup the chiefs had their highest neutral pass rate of the year all the way up at 89 percent. most teams are in like that 60 percent range so when you see a team go to 89 percent, there's something to that and i'm expecting the same thing happen i have uh, patrick mahomes projected for like 41 pass attempts i would lean towards the over on that line as well so we're going to see 
lots of passing volume. I'm not sure how much the Chiefs are going to be opting to run the ball just because the way the Bucks defense is really strong up front. They take some chances in the secondary, but I think we're going to see obviously tons of Patrick Mahomes. And like, that's not like a bold prediction by any means, but like, I think like even more so than the regular, we're going to see Patrick Mahomes drop back like all the time. You're going to hear a lot of the same take on whatever content you take in this week. So I will give you a fresh take, and that is I hate Super Bowl week. I think this is the worst (laughs) week of the entire year. It's an oversaturation of information and unnecessary content by everyone in the industry. We're all talking about the same thing. You look at your podcast feed, and it all says Super Bowl preview, Super Bowl props. It's literally all the same thing. (laughs) Having said that, my spin on the Chiefs game is that the – O-line issues are being magnified because it's like an island game. It's like a performance in fantasy that happens on Sunday night or Monday night. In my opinion, it just doesn't matter. We just have nothing else to talk about because there are literally no other in-season injuries to discuss. It's still Patrick Mahomes, who's been under pressure. A small sample, I understand that, but 19 times during the playoffs, and he's completed 62% of his passes for 8.5 yards per attempt and two touchdowns with no picks. He has had more pass attempts outside of the pocket than any other quarterback this season, and on those throws had 16 touchdowns with zero interceptions will he be under pressure yes will it matter I don't think so and that's what you're going to hear a lot of people talk about so given the game script given that the Bucks have to be beyond perfect uh even if you go to let's say um last year's play uh, AFC championship game and I understand that's a long time ago but remember the Titans had him under pressure, throwing off one foot to a 60-yard touchdown pass to Sammy Watkins. And even then, um, the ball traveled 42 yards to the air because even when you have Mahomes under pressure, it just doesn't matter. Go to more recently last week against the Bucks. the fact that he can shed oncoming tacklers with a quote-unquote toe injury or pedal backwards until Travis Kelsey breaks from his protection and then is wide open because they faked the screen um, for so long. I just don't think the O-line issues matter whatsoever. Um, Mahomes will have a very good day. Hot take, I know. <laughs> yeah, so what we're saying, Patrick Mahomes, kind of good. He's <laughs> good, buddy. believe it or not. Hayden, you were talking about earlier, like I think you said they said their season high and neutral pass rate against the Bucks, correct? And yeah. that wasn't a game where they came out 17 nothing in the first quarter and just still kept passing the rest of the game. Probably under the assumption Andy Reid has faced Tom Brady a handful of times in his career and knows that you are truly never safe against Tom Brady. That's prime Tom Brady. Maybe that's not the case these days, but they are not going to take their foot off the gas for every reason you guys disliked it. Like, so, like, the Bucks' super defensive strength is stopping the run, of course. The Chiefs' offensive weakness is the run. Uh, there's just, like, there's no way to, like, galaxy brain this or, like, get contrarian on this. The Chiefs are going to be passing from the opening whistle to the final down, regardless of game situation, regardless of game script. And there's just really no way yet to hot take it. And – Uh, If the game plan changes, like week 12, for instance, Todd Bowles, he called his fewest amount of blitzes on defense in any game all year long. But Mahomes has faced the fewest blitzes since 2018. He faced the fewest blitzes among all quarterbacks this year. And in the postseason, he hasn't even been throwing deep. He's averaged six air yards per attempt because teams are playing two high safeties on him. So if Bowles and the Bucs defense don't do that again, again, it just doesn't matter. It's something we've already seen. So shallow crossers, um, more Nicole Hardman perhaps getting carries, and more manufactured like touches like that near the line of scrimmage again is what the chiefs have been doing and will continue doing successfully in this matchup yeah i, I want to just hit on the cover thing because i think that's one of the bigger storylines here is what the bucks are going to do because they typically play a lot of cover three a lot of single high looks 
And in that game where Tyreek Hill went nuclear, that was a lot of cover one man defense. And I don't think that's the way that you can be playing against Patrick Mahomes. Next gen stats, every charting company always talks about the way to do that is with cover two. try to make Patrick Mahomes take the easy step and march down the field slowly. The problem is the Bucs don't run cover two very often. Like they're like at 24% of their plays on defense are in cover two. That's below average. And the other thing they have to be worrying about their linebacker, Levante David didn't practice last week. He's supposed to be matching up against Travis Kelsey. And then their two starting safeties, Jordan Whitehead and Anton Winfield also didn't practice. A couple of these guys can play. There's some re-injury risk. They might not be at full capacity. So if they're trying to play cover two, which I think everybody wants to do against the Chiefs, they could be doing without some of these starters. So, I mean, it really just comes down to can the front four get home? Because I don't think they're going to be blitzing a lot, just like you said, with those next-gen stats. Uh, to your point a minute ago, Daigle, about everyone's podcast feed having the same thing, Super Bowl preview, Super Bowl props. I'm thinking we need to workshop the title of this episode. Should we call it not a Super Bowl preview? <laughs> that might, maybe that's the way to go. Well, someone pitched Roto World's Radio Row, but it got turned down. So <laughs> someone tried <laughs> to be original. I'll say that. We need to bill it as Roto World Pro Bowl Recap. Um, That's it. <laughs> either way, let's get another hot take for the Super Bowl preview. I cannot believe how many people play video games. I Just the number of people that came out like excited about a college football re-rack three years from now, let alone this year, three years from now, um, it's amazing. Y'all got to find something else to do with your time. You clearly haven't played the mascots in the, the NCAA games. Wait, you can play mascots? Okay, now I'm interested. Now you're back I mean, in. NCAA back in. is the greatest game of all time. Um, so, you know, when you have three kids, John, sometimes, you know, your one respite, respite is FIFA night once every seven days. So uh, I will defend it, video games. You just said respite and respite. Some would argue it's respite, wouldn't they? Respite, yeah, it's one of those words that I say and ty- or I type a lot, and I guess I don't say very much. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna settle on this, folks. We're gonna settle on this pronunciation. Forty five minutes podcast. What's the respite? What is that? It's, it's like when you get games. a break, like uh, an oasis, you know, like uh, I don't, you know, the thing, the word, uh, like uh, like rumspringa. Yes. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, we're going to be sponsored by Grammarly by the end of uh, end of this conversation. John, I was about to say I'm not German, except I'm half German. Uh, so, yeah. Well, Rumspring is the Amish leave that, I, what are they, 16 years old, and then they're cast off, and they can go do whatever they want until then they return, if they choose to return. But, of course, if you don't return, that means you're cut off from your family entirely. I watch a lot of documentaries. Continue now. John, you just officially made this not a normal Super Bowl preview. We are differentiating there you go. our and now I'm thinking about Kingpin, so that's happening. <laughs> All right, so Patrick Mahomes has thrown for 580 yards in two games. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey have 509 receiving yards between them. That math isn't perfect because Chad Henney threw some passes, but you get the idea. It's been almost exclusively Tyreek Hill and Kelsey in this passing game during the playoffs. Pat, any reason to think anyone else gets involved in the Super Bowl? Well, Hayden's boy, Sammy Watkins, back, folks. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think it'll stay... Very narrow. I mean, the Bucks allow the most running back receptions. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so, I mean, maybe that's the window for CEH finally, who should be healthy. Fine. Like, he's been playing. Should be fully healthy after the two-week layoff. It's weird. Michael Hardman, I feel like, is going to be kind of like the lightning rod for player props, like kind of like the X-Factor player prop, because he had been, they had been manufacturing more touches for him recently. He'd been using more in the run game. Now Sammy Watkins is back, which – you know, his touches, I think his splits are pretty similar with and without Sammy Watkins. 
I, I think that Mikol, they've been he's been percolating. I think that maybe if there's there will be a third option, this is not a hot take. I think it will be Mikol and not Sammy Watkins. I no idea what to expect from Sammy Watkins after barely playing over the past month, but I do think the Chiefs, even when they've been at full strength this year, have been very narrow. And I don't think there's going to be like a consistent third option. Hardman has been manufactured touches more recently and used in the postseason, um, of course, without Watkins. But I will say what no one's talking about is how poor the Bucks' special teams play is, and in particular, their coverage duties. Uh, they've actually allowed a league high in kickoff return yardage by nearly four yards return per return, which entails Nicole Hardman making plays uh, whenever they receive the ball. So it's a bad juice bet, I will admit, but I believe Michael Hardman, like first touchdown is plus 2,600. So if you're going to drop like 10 bucks on a bad first touchdown bet anyway, you might as well go the distance and start with that one. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the teams just keep treating McCole Hardman like the gadget player, the special team here, because that's that's who he is. The last time Sammy Watkins played back in week 15 when he was fully healthy, the routes, it was Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins played 50 or 51 of 60 possible routes. Demarcus Robinson was at 35, McCole Hardman at 27, and then Byron Pringle down at three. So I'm expecting that kind of situation where Demarcus Robinson and Nicole Hardman are kind of battling for the number three spot, and then Byron Pringle is not going to be out there at all. And then you're going to see some McCole Hardman carries. You're going to see some possibly some some things in the screen game. But I think it's really going to come down to the first two, like you said. I think I, I would still take I would still take Sammy Watkins over McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson still. I'm biased. Even if Sammy Watkins out there, it's obviously a volatile situation. Like he could be available, but he could still be very limited. So I would handle it like that and bet uh, Byron Pringle over prop. Really? I have the under. I think that was, uh, this is assuming Sammy Watkins. So like, I get your angle if Sammy Watkins isn't fully healthy, but when, when Sammy Watkins is played, Byron Pringle is like barely running routes. I think in the seven games, he's only ran 24 routes. So th- these, some of these props with, with Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, McCall Hardman, Byron Pringle, you're not really betting on the usage. It's just who's going to be playing because Demarcus Robinson is not going to practice. Sammy Watkins is going to be limited. And he obviously has more re-injury risk than any player in the freaking league. Um, so like that's where you're, you're making these prop bets. It's like how how convinced are you that Sammy Watkins is going to play? How convinced are you that Demarcus Robinson is going to play? I'm I'm assuming that they're going to be at, at near capacity. So I'm betting the Pirate Byron Pringle unders. So. Well, if like Scotty Miller's receiving prop is only 20 and a half when he averages over 15 yards per target, uh, I would imagine Byron Pringle is going to be extremely low, especially if Sammy Watkins is active. And again, that doesn't account for the wide range of outcomes if Sammy Watkins is available. So yeah, I'd be interested in sprinkling over Byron Pringle. Then uh, Nicole Hardman, I still think, will be the most productive one behind Tyreek Hill. Uh, you know, the more I think about it, isn't Sammy Watkins pretty much a beast week one every year? That was his best game this year. I feel like Sammy Watkins, a fresh Sammy Watkins is uh, is a good Sammy Watkins for like three quarters and then he's done, but he comes this out of the gates. This will also be his final game in a Chiefs uniform. We got to begin that contract drive now. Uh, Cause like you said, it's been kind of dormant since week one. So yeah, so bet the, the, I'm setting the Sammy Watkins over under at 110.5 and taking the over. <laughs> All right, probably the quickest, what I assume will be the quickest part of this conversation. Let's close out the KC side of things with the Chiefs' backfield. Daryl Williams has had 13 carries in each of the last two games. We saw Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back, just six carries for seven yards, one touchdown. Do you like CEH's chances of being more involved after a couple weeks off, Daigle? Or just in general, are you expecting any clear picture in this KC backfield? I think we've gotten the picture, and that's Daryl Williams. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire actually outsnapped Daryl in the conference championship game, 32-30, to 30, but Daryl still handled 
13 of 19 carries and 67% of the team's backfield touches. Uh, I like his receiving props, Williams, quite a bit because everyone still thinks that Edwards Alaire will be involved in a timeshare or even like the number one running back. But clearly um, we've seen now he won't be like Darrell Williams is the starter for better or worse. And it doesn't really matter because they don't use their running back anyway. So Darrell Williams receiving props are extremely low. I believe like two and a half receptions, 12 and a half receiving yards. And that's why I'm in on the over just because they are set as if Edwards Alaire is the starter and he's not. Yeah, I mean, last week, I, the Chiefs, I feel like, dabbled in trying to do that in the first half in the AFC Championship game. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think CH was a little more involved early, and then you know, it was like the game got more serious. It just They recommitted to, to Darrell Williams, who 10 carries each of the past three games that have mattered, and we just have no idea what is going on with CH's health. He's probably not anywhere close to 100%. Uh, getting really into, like, boomer Twitter, like psychology Twitter, it, his confidence is probably at a low ebb, too. You know, after a kind of a shaky rookie year and the injury, the only thing I will say is Super Bowls have a tendency to produce like exotic game plans. Like teams are not above coming out and like doing really crazy things, and you have two weeks to prepare for an opponent. You know, something you no- never get in the regular season, basically. And as we know, the Bucks they are very susceptible to the running back reception. So if there's any path to like a Ceh over or like just a productive Ceh day, I feel like it is that kind of like surprising like exotic Super Bowl game plan that's getting in the kind of thing where that's all gut and uh, there's nothing actual to go on there yeah last week CH started he and like like Daigle said he played more snaps but was interesting the last 25 minutes Daryl Williams got every single running back touch CH didn't and I I do I keep going back to that play like Patrick Mahomes flipped some ball out to CH in the flats and CH got rocked like he barely even had time to get to brace himself and he got smacked and he didn't play after that. So I, I do wonder if some of these Daryl Williams splits and from last week are kind of, maybe like there was some like injury that wasn't being reported from CEH in that first game, give him two weeks and he's back out there. So this is like this, the most fragile projection. Nobody can be very confident either way with this stuff. I am still leaning towards CEH, but the, the one thing I keep coming back to is we talk about the offensive line issues. They trust Daryl Williams and pass protection more than CEH. And that's been clear the entire season. So the one thing I'm kind of skeptical about, and I'm projecting for CH a little bit more than Daryl Williams right now, but I do worry that the Chiefs are going to say, all right, we trust Daryl Williams in pass protection. And if that's the one thing that we are most worried about in this game, then maybe Daryl Williams plays. But even last week, CH ran 19 routes, Daryl Williams was at 12. So it, it's a complete guessing game. For me, and just in general, I'm just going to be betting all the unders on all the ru- rushing props anyways, just because the Bucks defense and, and the Chiefs offensive line, it's not a good situation. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The greatest show on grass returns as golf's biggest stars head to Phoenix for the Waste Management Open. Coverage begins Thursday on Golf Channel. And don't miss the premiere of NBC Sports Edge BetCast, a whole new way to watch golf Get a better view with insights and analysis, plus live odds, powered by PointsBet.
Get inside the action at peacocktv.com slash golf. All right, looking at this from the Tampa Bay side of things, Tom Brady had thrown one pick total in his last six games before throwing three, I think in three series in a row against the Packers a couple weeks ago. Uh, do we chalk that up to just a few bad series or see anything there that gives you concern about the matchup with KC's secondary, Hayden? Uh, this is tough because the way that the Chiefs play is a lot of cover two, and they are daring teams to run the ball. So I, I do wonder if you're going to see the Bucks try to run. But in the end, like my projections for Tom Brady are pretty good. And that's just because I'm projecting a lot of passes in general because you don't see the Bucks trail too often in, in games where Brady has lost. He's has pass attempts of 36, 41, 38, 48, and 41. And the Chiefs have like the way that their pass defense is set up is they don't have a, like a pure weakness. They don't have like a, an elite player in, in the back end either. So you can see any of these guys um, have a big game. I kind of have it spread out. I just think that the Tampa Bay passing game in general is going to be pretty good. Uh, just like from the box score scouting, just because I think that they're going to end up passing more than they usually do. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs pass defense, I still feel like it doesn't quite get enough credit. I don't, I guess they don't quite pop in D, DVOA. Uh, they're not like a bad defense by DVOA, but to me, I view this as like a defense that you just really do not want. I mean, you can pass on them, of course, but like it is a troublesome matchup, more troublesome, I should say, for Tom Brady than maybe people still think or are willing to admit. You know, I think he only had like three or four multi-interception games all season. One of them was against the Chiefs. So the Chiefs held both passers. They faced this postseason under six yards per attempt. Like the Chiefs offense kind of got like all the other oh, just coasting down the stretch, you know, like publicity, but maybe that was just true for the Chiefs defense too, which has appeared really locked in in the postseason. I mean, I mean, Josh Allen just looked bad in the AFC championship game. And, you know, they don't have any like true like superstars, but they've definitely got some pretty solid individual corners and, I just think, I mean, Tom Brady's going to have to be passing all day, of course. And I'll, I think we'll get to it later, guys. Uh, I'm going to take the over for Tom Brady, uh, player prop, yardage prop. But uh, it's not, this is not going to be like a, a day at the park. This is terrible analysis. I need to pass to someone else. But I, this is a, it's not, I don't think it's like an amazing matchup for Tom Brady. I used 1,000 too many words to say that. The the type of offense the Bucks want to feature, they'll, go right back to because it's the same one they used in week 12. Uh, tight ends were a focal point in that game. Brady tossed them on 13 of his 41 attempts for a 32% target share. And that was before Cameron Brady had been heavily involved, like we've seen the past three games, with at least five targets in each of those. In that one game in week 12, Gronk caught six targets for a season-high 100 yards, and Brady caught four of six. So I imagine we see that again, since Brady does have 10 more targets, 17-7, to seven, than Gronk in the postseason and more end zone and red zone targets than any receiver on the Bucks team in that span. Um, we've seen it when Brate's on the field. He is a route runner. He's only blocked on one of his 87 postseason snaps. And so I would imagine they start in 12 personnel again and have a lot of success doing it since 25 of Kansas City's red zone receiving touchdowns uh, nine have actually gone to opposing tight end. So I think Brady, uh, not so much Gronk because we've seen him tell off towards the end, but Brady anytime touchdown, one of my favorite props, uh, they'll all have success through the air. Yeah, I was going to note the same splits. Gronk, it was his best game of the year against Kansas City. And I think that there are, is matchup reasons why that was the case. Um, the Chiefs have a pretty good cornerback one to go against Mike Evans and their slot corner rookie has been playing out of his mind too for Chris Godwin and the safeties are all right for the Chiefs and they have like really bad linebacker play. So I think that's why you saw Gronk kind of pop off. I, I will say that in the beginning of the, the postseason, Cameron Brait was running the same amount of routes as Gronk, 
But last week, Gronk ran 23, rates 13. I, I do wonder if there, there was a little element of, hey, we were really concerned about the edge rushers in those first games. We need Gronk to kind of block. And I'm not really sure if the Chiefs have like that stud edge rusher that Gronk has to sit there and block. So I'm kind of leaning on the overs on the Gronk props. Um, just like just in general, I want to be betting on these pass catchers overs just because I think that's the way that the game script is going to be playing out. Um, the, the other note is Mike Evans has kind of been a little bit slower in the postseason. He's also faced Jair Alexander, probably the second best corner in the league. I don't see the the Chiefs having anyone nearly as good as that. So for the first time in this postseason, I'm projecting Mike Evans for more production than Chris Godwin. I think that you're going to start seeing those guys even out. You think Evans will be more successful than Godwin from the slot? Yeah, oh, I, I have Mike Evans projected for basically the same amount of yards. The, the touchdown difference is huge. And um, I mean, they both project for like 16, 17 fantasy points in, in my projections. I was looking at Mike Evans over under for receptions only at four and a half. And if you're looking at just like kind of trying to play the game script side of things for the Bucks, and we all seem to be on the same page that the Tom Brady's going to pass a ton. That was one of my favorite props is, is Mike Evans over four and a half receptions. All right. Well, uh, we'll sort this out the week after this, but let's do a podcast bet then because I've already bet Godwin over Mike Evans in total receiving yards in the game. So if you want Mike Evans um, fantasy points, I guess I'll take Godwin. Yeah, I have it at 16.8 and 16.3 in favor of Mike Evans, but we can uh, – I already owe you tacos in San Diego. We'll we'll do another round of this. I'll go Mike Oscar, Evans. Shout out to Oscars, the best in San Diego. Legerious Sneed, dog. I actually am con- a little concerned for Chris Godwin, and uh, I agree with Hayden. Uh, you know, I'm, the, I'm the X's and O's matchups guru, so – I wouldn't say I'm overconfident in it, but like I do have a lean towards it, so that's why I'm fine doing it since it is a coin toss. Also, more Oscars, so we're okay with that. They sell – I believe they sell pork belly as well which as we know is like one of the goat dishes. Yeah. Worst case, if I lose this bet, I'm paying for tacos and that's never a bad thing. Worst case is we're having margaritas together. That's fine. Exactly. Antonio Brown is initially listed as doubtful due to that knee injury. Did practice on a limited basis on Wednesday. Daigle, does that change the math for you at all? When we're talking about Godwin and Evans, or are you kind of just thinking of Brown as a bit of an afterthought coming off that injury, even if he does play? And that an X factor, but no, not really a body I'm concerned with. Um, I thought the Bucks would have success through the air without Antonio Brown. So now that he surprisingly may be available, yeah, I mean it's added help, but not anything really. I'll even be getting involved with in DFS. I think Antonio Brown's going to play, but I don't remember them having to issue like the game status a week before the game in the past. Even though that's when they get kind of more the more important practice reps in is usually the week before. Uh, like it seems like to me that was very, very really questionable. Weird, right? yeah, it was very questionable that he was listed doubtful nine days for the game or whatever. I think he will be upgraded to questionable. I, and then I was on the news when that came out, and like I nearly texted you. I was like, but like I was like, screw it. Like it's the news is slow right now. Anyways, I'll write reports. It must that have don't been matter at all. The rule must be like if the game were played today, he would be doubtful. And you know, that, that was the rule. Like they added it if the game is Sunday, but the game is not Sunday. Why? Like, who cares? What are, what are we wasting our time for here? Yeah. I would, Anyways, is, go to Roto World for false injury reports from last week. Yeah, this was in my notes. I was going to ask Roto about what the heck is going on with these injury reports. We're the week before. That makes well, no we sense. Have too much time now. Hey, but no, now, I mean, now on GameStop, to, we got too I much time. Gonna, I think it's supposed to just be fully transparent for gamblers and like. Listen, you have good information. You know that Antonio Brown will probably be ready by the Super Bowl. But FYI, guys, if it were today, he would be doubtful. So, I mean, I, it's not necessary. It creates confusion. That is probably the thought process, though. 
All right, this is the moment I know I've been waiting for. I assume it's true for everyone else as well. Leonard Fournette has scored in every game of the playoffs, averaging over 20 touches and over 100 yards from scrimmage this postseason, no fewer than 17 touches in any of their playoff games. Does two weeks off, Pat, give you any pause that Bruce Arians might start to think about complicating things and getting Ronald Jones back more involved at Fournette's expense? I mean, it actually does because the Chiefs' defense, their main vulnerability, of course, is in the run game. And to the Bucks, I mean, they're going to need some explosive plays, obviously, spoiler alert, to keep up with the Chiefs. And the means to explosive plays for them in the running game is Ronald Jones and not Leonard Fournette. And I mean, Leonard Fournette, he's like five weeks removed from being a healthy scratch. He's played his best Bucks football since then, but... I will be taking the under on Fournette. I think it's like 47 and a half, the rushing yards, and the over on Ronald Jones just because that's where the Chiefs' vulnerability is. They're going to have to be thinking like big play. They're not going to be trying to like move the chains in the running game. They're going to be, they're going to need some home runs in the running or some eight or nine yard rushes. And that is Rojo. I mean, that's provided Rojo is healthy, of course. But I just think that from what the Bucks need and from the opponent they're facing, I do think Ronald Jones, uh, provided he's healthy, will be fairly heavily involved. I have the unders on these guys. Sorry, sorry, Diggle. I was just gonna say the last game in week twelve, these two guys combined for twelve carries total. I've project them projected for like seventeen. Give them a little more credit if they can keep this game a little closer. But I mean, the one thing betting against Ronald Jones, like at least in the past game, is he doesn't play like basically any snaps. He doesn't run like any routes. And the second that the Chiefs go up ten to zero, Ronald Jones may not see the field very much. And I don't know. I just want to be avoiding the situation. I'm, I'll have a little bit of Leonard Fournette and like DFS just because I think that he is probably the one a, but I think if I was looking at props or just kind of how this game is going to go, I don't really see either of them doing much on the ground. Maybe Leonard Fournette catches like four or five balls just because they're trailing, but that's, that's my, I think the chiefs are going to win. So that's how I'm kind of going off the game script. Yeah, that's the same story we told ourselves against the Packers. You play Leonard Fournette because of his pass catching equity. I don't care about his carries or his rushing success, even though he did have that uh that beautiful twenty yard touchdown run. And it's the same thing. This thing Fournette ran twenty five routes to Jones's six against the Packers, and the Bucks had at one point a three score lead in that game. And so if that's the case, now imagine being down, maybe even like. Uh, being within one score, maybe being down two score against the Chiefs. Of course, it's going to be Leonard Fournette's game. So Fournette receiving overs, and then Fournette just overall, I think, uh, is, is a great fantasy play if you're playing DFS contests this week. Pat, you look like you got something to say about this. I feel like Rojo is kind of like a potential DFS X, X factor because I just I just don't think they're going to be settling for like I don't because what they planted I think four straight times to start the game against the Chiefs last time like. I think Rojo is going to be a little more involved. There's going to be looking for a little more explosion in the run game. I feel it. So if Rojo is the X factor, the X factor for Rojo is his health, of course, which has been very, very mysterious, very hard to get a read on. But I, I am, I, I've got a Rojo feeling percolating here. The, the one, pro- the one problem with Ronald Jones and DFS is they dropped his price significantly. So like now he's the player that like if you're trying to jam in all of the good players, like Ronald yeah. Jones is like the the relief in yeah. your flex spot. So he's going to be one of the higher rostered players in the first place. So it's oh, yeah. it's kind of a mess with with Ronald Jones in DFS. Too. And again, Rojo it's one game, so I'll I'll never tell anyone that like on one game their player their analysis is wrong like it's one game just tell yourself the story and build a lineup around that story rojo in the captain so okay maybe that's <laughs> wrong maybe that's wrong you guys are all under on the tampa rushing Fournette. i think i saw 47 and a half rojo 35 and a half i mean rojo can get that in two runs it's just it's those are both tempting numbers i'm taking the over on rojo and I, i'm gonna live to tell about it i mean i'm an expert now i've, I've won a gpp 
I bought AMC stock last summer. I just, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the over on road. Do you have like a third example there, Pat, to boost no, your resume? No. Like something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been playing D- DFS a long time and uh, I'm sure there are other big wins in there. I mean, I'm having my people work on finding them so I can tell you about them because they, they definitely exist, uh, my other DFS wins. All right. You guys ready to talk a little more about some props? We've already discussed some. Are we going to go around and each talk about our favorite prop here? Let's we do it. We are. We are, Matthew. All right, Daigle, take it away. Uh, quite a few, and oddly enough, on the Bucks side. Brait, I've already talked about, plus 260 anytime touchdown. Because, again, just the Chiefs leaking touchdowns in the red zone, 25 to opposing tight ends. And now here come the Bucks who want to feature their tight ends in 12 personnel. So I think Brait, as the team's fourth receiver quietly, it has gone Evans, then Godwin, then Fournette, and then Brait in the postseason. And so I think he has a tremendous option. It should probably be lower on given that they will feature him inside the 20 as well. I like Scotty Miller, not only anytime touchdown plus 400, but over 20 and a half, again, is absolutely insane considering he averages over 15 yards per target and over 14 yards per catch. He can easily get in on one toss. And if Antonio Brown, even if he's available, if he's limited, we know it's going to be Scotty Miller since he ran 20 routes to Tyler Johnson's 11 in the conference championship game. So he would be the team's X factor along the boundary as we saw last week. And then... I am actually over, and I know this disagrees with what Pat said, and it's fine, but um, I like Leonard Fournette over combined 78 and a half rushing and receiving yards. I think he can get 50 or 60 in receiving alone because the game script, I'm telling myself, as if the Bucks are trailing by two scores early, I think it'll be close in the end. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. I don't know how because it, the matchup is, fits too well for the Chiefs offense, but either way, Fournette can get there in a negative game script with ease. So a couple things. If I wouldn't be betting the money line either way, if I was going to be betting whatever side you're on, the, the Chiefs or the Bucks, just I would be betting the quarterbacks as, as the MVPs. You basically leave like 10% chance that another non-quarterback would win the MVP. And I don't really see that happening just because we're projecting a high scoring game. And both of these teams kind of have pass catchers that are kind of even split between like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And then you have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And I think all those guys would be battling. And then at the end of the day, I think one of these quarterbacks is going to have 300 yards and three touchdowns. So I would bet the MVPs instead of the money lines. My favorite is looking at the Tampa Bay, what they're going to be doing in the first quarter. And I looked at what happens when teams win the coin toss. In the last two times oh, the yeah. Bucks win the coin toss, they have elected to catch the ball first in the first half. That's pretty rare. And Bruce Arians has a history doing this. So I don't think it's like a 50-50 chance that the, the Chiefs and the Bucks get the ball first. I think there's a higher chance that the Bucks actually get the ball first. So I'm on some of the touchdown props like Mike Evans first to score a touchdown, Gronk, Cameron Braid, Daigle's talked about his red zone usage. So if I was going to have a stupid bet where like these these lines are out of control for the first to touchdown, but if I was going to do it, it would be on the Bucks side. But my favorite bet with all of that is the Bucks are catching a half of a point in the first quarter, and that's at minus 131, um, which is like about 57% odds. I think that the Bucks have a good chance to have two possessions to the Chiefs, one. And even if the game is 7-7 after the first quarter, you still win that prop. So I, I just want to be betting on the Bucks stuff in the first quarter. And then all of the Chiefs overs, Patrick Mahomes over 325 yards, Travis Kelsey over 7.5 receptions, all those type of stuff as well. Hayden, that that move electing to receive is called the Dan Quinn. And what you do is you go three and out, then you give up a touchdown right before the end of the first half, then you give up a touchdown to start the third quarter and you're set. That's I love the move. It. <laughs> 
You sound like someone who has uh, not watched far, far, far too much, a damaging amount of Atlanta Falcons football. <laughs> Very damaging. All right, go ahead, Pat. I mean, Tom Brady, I mean, is, is there any chance on earth Tom Brady is throwing for fewer than 300 passing yards in this game? And I see the over-under at 295.5. Like, is the, I, I feel like there's literally a 0% chance Tom Brady throws for fewer than 300 <laughs> yards. So there, it's just going to have to happen. I mean, there's just no way the Bucks win this game without an onslaught 48, 50 attempts from Tom Brady. And I think he will get to 300 yards, like come hell or high water, I like. The over on Rojo rushing yards at 35-5, as Matt said. I mean, that's that's two runs for Rojo, guys. That's just two runs. That's two runs for Ronald Jones. And I really do think that they're going to be looking for some more explosive plays in the running game. And I think Ronald – I feeling eight to ten carries probably for Ronald Jones. And I just think – I mean, that one is definitely – I can't, like, have, like, a great feeling about that. But I do just think it lines up for to be a kind of a Ronald Jones day. Meikle Hardman, I was kind of all over. Where do you guys see the Meikle yardage prop at? I thought I saw 23 and a half. Now it's 28 and a half. And uh, those five yards make a big difference with Meikle Hardman. And uh, But I think I will – I'm going to take the over. Even if it's just pure receiving yards, I take the over for Meikle. Just, they have been working so – I know it's without Sammy Watkins, but he's been more integrated into the offense over the past four or five games, the most important games of the season – and I, I do think this will be a back and forth shootout, like kind of like everyone else. And I, I like Miko to probably have 40, 50 receiving yards, uh, maybe 70 yards. No, not 70 yards from scrimmage. Scratch that completely. Uh, but I like the over on Miko. We could have 70 total. Like he has a carry in what, four games running now? Like, and if they are trying to deflect a pass rush, he's going to get carries in this game. They're going to use him in interesting ways. Red Pat, it's funny you, you said those two numbers where you said 23 and a half and 28 and a half. I have his receiving yards at 26, so that would be a big <laughs> deal to middle. me if I was going for it. It's yeah. a really big deal because, yeah, I mean, Meikle, you go by the yard with Meikle because uh, he's not going to be blowing by anything, I feel like. But uh, I'm taking the over on Meikle, and then I'm wishing for the sweet, warm embrace of death. Pat, we we talked a minute ago about you needing a third thing to fill out your resume. I think hearing your confidence about that Brady passing over, I think that's going to be it. I would say bet the farm and let's make that happen. I, I, I have like, honestly, I just feel like it's like a physical impossibility for Tom Brady to have fewer than 300 passing yards. On I, I can't believe no one is on the under for Brady rushing yards. 0.5. He failed to top that 14 times this season. The other one I like, which I think... Tony, you mentioned that one, Matt. It's 0.5. It's going way over. You're not getting any Bucks kneel downs in the games they're going to lose, and he's going to have a QB sneak touchdown, hit the over hard. I was initially thinking over, but then I, I crunched the numbers. I don't know. I, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, that's why it's a great line. I, the other one I do like is the Gronkowski 31.5 receiving yards, although I think that's more of a sentimental thing. Only two catches for 43 yards on seven targets this postseason. It just feels like... I think, Hayden, was that you you're saying? You could maybe smell a Gronk revival game here? Yeah, I have my projections at 40 yards for Gronk, and that's kind of buying into the the Week 12 game mattering where they're like actually targeting Gronk for like a reason that wasn't just kind of a fluke. And like, like we keep saying, Tom Brady's going to throw the ball 40 times. Like, where are these receptions going to? Like, Cameron Brate and Leonard Fournette can only get so many. So I do think it's going to come down to Mike Evans overs, Chris Godwin's overs, Chris, uh, Gronkowski overs in the receiving game. All right, before we get out of here, let's get your projections, guys. Daigle, you want to do this first? Predictions? Don't bet the line because it's too sharp. You've already missed the boat. Like, points bet had it at the Chiefs' even money minus three. 
the week, like last week, and that's when you should have grabbed it, the day after lines were released. Now it's too sharp. Um, having said that, I think the Chiefs win by four points. It comes down to the final possession. Let's say Chiefs, I don't know, 31-27. I'm feeling similar. I, I feel Chiefs 34-27. I think they'll double the spread. I, I feel like the Chiefs just keep getting these really small spreads. And I just don't understand why. I mean, I know they're missing their left tackle and what, they're missing three of their five week one. Off. I just keep coming back to the Chiefs. You have to like invent reasons why like it's not going to be a good day for the Chiefs. You have to really basically galaxy brain. And like these things happen, of course. But like if this game is being played 10 times, I think eight or nine times the Chiefs win by a touchdown. And I will take the Chiefs to cover. I will take the Chiefs to win 34-27. Yeah, we're going to be on the same boat. I'm at Chiefs 30 to 24. And I, I do think the reason why the spread's down at three is like if you were just like punching these these teams in and just like looking at the, like the last 10 games, which is like a lot of these models are doing, that's kind of not – I don't think that's fully accounting for the Chiefs like turning it on. Like I'm buying into that narrative. Like you see like LeBron in the playoffs is like a different player than like LeBron James in the regular season. I'm, I kind of think that's kind of what the Chiefs were doing. And I don't think the models are accounting for that. So – Betting against the models, not something I usually do, but uh, I'm going to rock Chiefs 30, Bucks 24. You're taking the I, under then? Yeah, and I'm on the under as well. I had five reasons why. Okay. I, I think that everyone wants to be betting the overs in these games, uh, especially in the Super Bowl. Um, it's the highest total Super Bowl game ever. Uh, I think the Bucks might try to run run the ball early, like we talked about, that that's where the Chiefs' weakness is, and that will slow down the, the clock. And then we have the offensive line issues for the Chiefs. And then it's also the second time they face each other. And those games historically go under as well. So I'm not expecting low scoring games, still 30 to 24. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Matt, please pick the Bucks. Otherwise, we're going to be a I screenshot did. of the talking head <laughs> in, in, in pre shows. <laughs> I did. I wrote down the same score as Pat, but I wrote the opposite. Thank I have you. Tampa 34, KC 27. I don't know why. I just have a sick feeling that Brady and Tampa will pull this off. And then afterward, we'll ask ourselves how the hell they pulled this off. I do think that's partially based on past trauma as a Falcons fan. I'm still shell-shocked from the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl. And I don't want this to happen, but I have a sick feeling that it's going to. It's like when Howie and Strahan, everyone picks one team and we know it's going the opposite direction. Please, don't, don't jump in the boat with us. What Matt just laid out was the, is that Breaking Bad gif where Aaron Paul is saying he can't keep getting away with, with this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. All right, that is about going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Guys, anything to promote uh, leading up to the Super Bowl before we get out of here? Denny's rankings? Hayden's uh, projections? Yeah, that's it. It's more about what happens after the Super Bowl, since this will be the first podcast you hear until we return for a review show or whatever the case. Uh, Nick has his transactions and free agent trackers ready to go on Monday. I will swoop in at night and have the available air yards and targets, not to mention available carries, ready to go. And then we'll be updating those throughout the offseason. Give it a month. I'll bring back best ball tiers for an early look. Uh, the podcast is going to bring in some extra draft content throughout the offseason, starting a little bit earlier, apparently, this year. So, yeah, it's just uh, just be on the lookout for a couple things that are happening immediately following the Super Bowl as opposed to immediately this week. Yeah, I will be throwing in next week. I will be doing a seasons in review article. At least that's the plan. I've been told I actually have to hit this deadline too by various people, uh, and we'll see if I do. We know we know how your GM rankings deadlines go, so I'm sure this is going to be quite well. Yeah, I blame that on the coronavirus, guys, and you know that's gone. So um. <laughs> we're out of a pandemic now, so yeah. everything's okay. We're good. 
I have one thing. Uh, I'm going to be doing off-season previews, going over like cap space, starting rosters, who's moving around, team needs. I'm going to start that after the Super Bowl, too. And I'll go team by team all the way through uh, up to free agency. <laughs> Daigle, <Now> we're done. <laughs> Daigle, Pat Hayden, thanks, guys. Thanks to all of you for listening. Enjoy the game. We will see you next week. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.